come to me, whatever type of the week you've had, and um, you'll find rest for your souls. You know, my yoke is easy and light, and uh, you'll find rest for your souls. And if you think about your week, how many times did you actually rest in it? How many times did you just let the burden down, let the, let the weights down, let all the hurry, scurry and flurry and worry and just go, you know, I'm just going to rest in you, Jesus. Because Jesus is saying this morning to us, and if you listen to the words that are coming straight from heaven, straight from his heart this morning, it's come to me. Come to me when you're weary and heavy and, and laden with all the things that have come, come in your week. Come to me and you'll find rest and joy and bliss you know, we're meant to have heaven on earth and there's a way to do that and it's not the way we try to do it. It's by coming to him and finding rest. And you know, I was just thinking about that this week and how we come to him and, you know, we can get caught up in the treadmill of modern life. We can get caught up in, in you know, I wrote a blog last night, it was find your rhythm, you know, and sometimes a rhythm is like, you know, crazy pace. Who goes to the gym? Yeah, have you seen those people on the treadmill? Yeah, and if nobody's ever been on a treadmill before and they put, hit the wrong button, who was it? I think somebody was sharing with us that this person had never been on the treadmill. Was it Anthony, I think? And uh, he got on it and it was going really fast and, he, and nobody was around to help him and he's going very, very fast and he flew off the back. I mean, you see that on cartoons, you know, like, but it actually happened and he's like lying there sprawled and he goes, I didn't know how to turn it off. And, you know, we can get like that where we don't know how to turn it off and we have not found a rhythm because it's definitely not that, yeah? And if it is, you're pretty bedraggled by the end of the week, aren't you? Yeah? And Jesus says, get off the treadmill of this crazy way of doing things, the chaos that sin brought into the world and get into his rhythm of doing things. And Jesus showed us what God's rhythm is. It's that we spend time in solitude and rest that we spend time just hanging out with him. That's what Jesus did. He would just go up on the mountaintop. I don't have as many mountains around here, but you can just visualize yourself going on the mountain. Just get away. You know, even if you've got kids all around you or demands of work, I think it was John and Charles Wesley's mum. She schooled, she homeschooled. She homeschooled, I think, 12 kids because that's what she was doing. And she would put a towel over her head. And when she had that towel over her head, she had her Bible under there and she would just say, do not come near me unless you're dying. But, you know, we let all the stuff in and I'm guilty of it too. We let distractions come in, the phone's ringing, you know, something's happening out there and we come out from underneath there and we're not ready. And we haven't that, had that time of rest. Jesus had times of solitude. And then when he's had that time of solitude, then he went out and he partied. He had times of community. He had times where he spent time with us as he laughed and he talked and he drank and he partied and he had a good time because out of that solitude and rest, he had something to give. He was refreshed and he just could relax. How often do you rock up to a meal with somebody or you're sitting down at the dinner table and you're not relaxed? You're like frazzled. Your actual cells are, you know, is that just me? (laughs) And you're just like, I'm so fried. Yeah, because we haven't taken that time of solitude with the Lord. Am I speaking to anyone this morning? 
Then Jesus, so he had times of solitude with the Father. Then he had times of community. And then he ministered out of all that. He had times to minister, to heal the sick, to pray for the, raise the dead and, you know, just bless people. But if he, if he missed the rest and he missed the times of just relating to one another, it wouldn't have been right. There was a rhythm to the way that God does things. He created the world like that. You see the seasons come and go like clockwork. You see the waves roll in and out. Nobody tells them how to do it. They're made to do that. And we're made to have times of rest, to come to him. All you who are weary and heavy laden, put your, put your stuff down and just take on what he says because it's light and easy and you will find rest for your souls. Then when you go out and you're sitting at the dinner table or you're here with each other, it's like it just feeds your soul. But if you haven't had rest, it's just like, oh, Sunday is 9.30. Come on now. And then out of that, all those things you can minister and you can bless those around you, the world that so desperately needs rest and peace for their souls. But if you try and do it out of the rhythm of God's rhythm, you're going to end up being like that person on the treadmill who lies on the, you know, running very fast. And sometimes you run very fast, but you're not going to be able to run the distance. Many people in church, many people who have asked Jesus into their life at one stage, do not make the distance. They do not run their race well. We want to run our race well and receive the crown of glory at the end, don't we? So don't be like the world system of run till you're actually bedraggled and all sweaty and smelly. Just run in the rhythm of what God has asked us to do. And that's when we take communion, we get into God's rhythm. It's actually remembering what he has done for us and exchanging our crazy way of doing stuff, the chaos for his peace. So as we prepare to take communion, I just want you to close your eyes. Visually get off the treadmill. Some of you have been running real hard this week. Visually get off the treadmill, take a hold of Jesus and say, Lord, I just want to walk with you. I just want to walk with you. Show me how to walk in your rhythm. I give you all my worries, all my concerns my finances, my family, my relationships, my job, my provision, my children. Lord, I give it to you. I know that you're big enough, that you're full enough to handle it all. And I take hold of you. Lord, we want to thank you that you love us so much. We thank you that you died and you rose again to get us out of the chaos that sin brought into the world where everything was created in perfection. But when that sin came in, it it brought chaos. Lord, but you have redeemed us from that. You've rescued us from that way. We're in you and you're in us and we can walk in your rhythm. So forgive us, Lord, where we've been caught up in doing it our way. We receive your life and we thank you for the life that you gave for us. In Jesus' name. Just stay in that place with him. We're going to have communion.
Just take the bread and as you're ready, just to eat it and just say, Lord, I just want to be in step with you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you forgive me. I thank you that you cleanse me from all unrighteousness. As we take the cup, you know, this cup represents his blood that was poured out for us. You know, sometimes that visually is a bit like, ugh. But, you know, without his sacrifice, without his blood poured out for us, we'd be stuck with our sin. We'd be stuck with our disappointments. We'd be stuck with our pain. But when you take this cup, it's like the elixir of life. If you knew that you could take something and it would just lighten you up, it would make your skin glow, or the wrinkles would disappear, the grey hair would go, you know, any ailment would go, life would pour into you, you'd be made whole, you'd be set free, you'd be delivered from every evil, that you could stomp the enemy under your feet. What would you look like? What would you sound like? How would you sit? Would you suddenly sit up taller? The blood of Jesus washes away the sin of the world. The sin brought in chaos. The sin brought in sickness. The sin brought in sickness. It brought in lack. It brought in poverty. It brought in disappointment. It brought in weakness. When we're weak and we keep on messing up and doing the same thing over and over and over again. When you take this cup this morning, receive his life to break all that in your life. It's like an elixir of life. It's like you take that and it's like, I receive that life, Jesus. I receive freedom in you this morning. I receive healing in you this morning. When you take it, receive healing. You know, receive healing. Receive freedom. Receive hope where you're disappointed. Receive strength where you know you keep on messing up. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And when we take it, sometimes we down it and don't think about actually what we're doing. There's power in what he did for us. So take this and say, I receive everything I need. If you've been messing up this week, you keep on getting yourself in strife, say, Lord, I need your strength to live like I know I should. Lord, I need freedom from worry. I need your peace. Take it and receive that this morning as you drink. Can we do that? Okay, let's just... Take as you're ready or drink as we're ready this morning. Lord, we receive your life. Lord, we want to hit a Jesus. Lord, we want to receive everything you are, Lord. Lord, get us whacked, get us drunk, get us full on you. Lord, we receive everything you are as we take this. We exchange our stuff for heaven this morning as we drink this cup. Lord, just wash us clean. Fill us with your strength. Fill us with your strength. We drink this and just thank you, Lord. Receive his life as we drink this morning. All right, Jesus is up to something, so we're just going to go with what he's doing. Are you ready for some fun? All right. Don't look scared. <laughs> it's all right, it's fun. <laughs> if you've come in this morning and you just feel like you've had a shocker week or you're just feeling dry, if you're feeling like you just need to tank up on the Lord, you're just like, I feel dry. Or you've got so many worries and burdens and your body is really struggling. I want you to just stand. I want you to stand to your feet and say, Jesus, I want to just receive your life this morning. I want to get what we call whacked. Yeah? And if you've never been whacked before, that just means that you get a hit of Jesus. Yeah, you just feel his presence. You feel his power. If you've never felt God before, 
This is your chance to say, Lord, I want you. You know, we've been singing about it this morning, but sometimes we need to step. We actually need to step into a place and go, God, I'm willing. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm willing. So you're going, if you're going, I, I want more. Or I want to know that God that you're singing about. You know, not the skinny type Jesus that just kind of, you know, can only just meet your need. I want the fat, full Jesus. We can sing about it, but sometimes we don't experience it. So if that's you this morning, I want you to stand to your feet. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing around you. If you know that you need that fullness of God, say, I'm hungry for you, Lord. We're going to come around and we're going to pray. We're just going to, Philip, you ready? (laughs) We're just going to lay hands on you and say, God, get him. Is that all right? Yeah? If you want to go, I want to know what this God stuff is about and you've never receive that you've never experienced that then say all right i'm up for that all right can we sing this the fat skinny jesus song i like that song i don't want the skinny jesus goodness me you go to the rotary club for that nothing against rotary club but come on this is church we want the fullness the buttery fat the donuts with the jam in the middle and the oozy stuff coming out yeah, we want the fat. We, there's no calories. He's a no-calorie Jesus, you know, he's fat. All righty. Let's sing the skinny fat song. <laughs> oh, we don't want no skinny Jesus. Oh, we want the full Jesus. The full Jesus, we don't want no skinny Jesus. Oh, we want the full Jesus, the fully fat Jesus. We want no skinny Jesus. We want the full Jesus. I want the double portion, God. I want the double portion, God. I want the double portion, God. I want it all. I want it all. I want the double portion, God. Yeah, I want the double portion, God. Oh, I want the double portion, God. The full extent of what you have for me. I really sense that um, there's a there's like a battle going on. Um, so I want to break the battle with some word. So I'm going to teach on this. Forget what I'm going to teach on. So grab a seat. Grab a seat. And teach you how to receive. Why you receive? Kids can go out if they want to. Yeah. I want to get some word into you. I want to get some faith into you to receive. Is that all right? Because we've been teaching on we've been teaching on finances and we've been teaching on faith. And how does faith come? Hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. Alright? So if you want to learn how to get whacked, then it comes by faith. You've got to receive by faith. See, I can lay hands and pray for you and pray for you. Um, but unless you receive, it's just gonna bounce. You know, Jesus, Jesus was telling a situation, and I've actually been in situations like this. He says, says, the power of God was present to heal. 
and nobody got healed. Now, was that Jesus wasn't powerful enough? Absolutely not. It was the people weren't in a place to receive. I think one guy gets healed and everybody else missed out, even though he was sick and so on, they didn't receive their healing. <coughs> Can you get a glass of water, please? They didn't receive their healing, even though the power of God was in healing, because they didn't know how to receive. They weren't in a position to receive. So just because God is here, it doesn't mean you're going to receive. You've got to be in a position to receive. Does that make sense? So turn to the person next to you and say, I want to receive today. Okay. Okay, turn to the person next to you and say, I really want to receive today. All right, now turn to the person next to you and say it like your life depends on it. <laughs> I really want to receive what God has for me today. I want to get whacked. Oh, this is pathetic. you got to get hungry for God. Have you ever sat in a church service and thought, I really want something to eat? And the worship keeps going and then like communion comes around, that just makes it worse because you get this little taste of something and you want something to eat. And then the preacher preaches and they keep talking and they keep talking and then, you know, this roast dinner smell comes wafting through. And you go, oh, I just want something to eat. I wish they'd just be quiet because I want something to eat. You ever felt like that? you got to get hungrier than that. You've got to get hungry for that. Let, let me preach you hungry. All right? I can preach it, but it's up to you to receive it. You've got to step out of this. This stuff doesn't happen in your comfort zone. So let me show you what happens in comfort zone. Acts chapter 1. Actually, no, go, go back a page to John chapter 21. This is what happens in comfort zone. Jesus has died, and the disciples don't know what to do. So they go back to what they're used to doing. Acts 21 verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, <coughs> the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples came together, and Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got in the boat and they caught nothing. They went and did what was comfortable. They went and did what they were used to doing. And if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same result. Did you notice that when Jesus turned up, that they'd been fishing all night and they'd caught nothing? And when Jesus dies, even though he's appeared to them at this stage, he's still, Simon hasn't got it in his head, what Jesus wants to do. And so he goes fishing. He goes back to what he does. He steps into the place he's always been in. 
This is the same place that said to Jesus, you can't die, I won't let you do it. This is the same place that says, I don't know Jesus, and denies him three times. Simon Peter is still in that place because he's still doing what he's always done. Go over to Acts. Chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus says, go back and wait. But Peter's no good at waiting. It's not his strong point. Jesus dies, comes back to life. He doesn't wait. He goes fishing. He's supposed to be back here, and Jesus said to wait until you receive. Verse 8, chapter 1. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. He's told him to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't wait. He says, we need to replace Judas. In verse 15, so Peter stood up in the mist and says, hey guys, you know, this is what the scripture says. And he actually sort of misquotes scripture a little bit. And so they draw these lots and they create a new disciple who you never, ever hear anything of again. Because he was chosen by men. Because what did God tell them? Wait for the Holy Spirit. Get hungry for Holy Spirit. But we're too busy, like Dale says, we're too busy doing, not waiting. You want God, you've got to draw on God. The idea of them waiting and praying was to draw on God. The idea of what we're doing as a church in praying for these 40 days in the morning and the evening is to draw on God because God's already given. He's already given Holy Spirit. It's us receiving and getting into position to receive. And you have to position yourself. And too much of the church is is in a position where it's just like, oh, this is how it is. And we want control. Well, God is saying to you, no, I'm in control. It's his church. As Paul wrote, it's no longer you, it's no longer me that lives, but it's Christ who lives in us. And it's about time that happened, don't you think? Where we stop going, oh, well, this still was comfortable. You know, I want to do what, what's easy. Oh, 6.15 in the morning, oh, that's too early, I'll do it at 7.15. Because it's comfortable. Yeah, I want to receive from God. Just don't do anything too radical. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to look foolish. I want to maintain control. Well, if you're maintaining control, then you're still alive. But you have to die to yourself. You have to go, whatever you want, God. Go ahead and touch those bits of me that I've been holding on to that I need to let go of. Go ahead and just flood me with yourself. You have to completely surrender. You know, if I go to the pub and I drink one beer, I'm probably still in control, right? Depends on whether you're me or Dale, of course. (laughs) Dale's out on the floor by one, but, you know, that's all right. But I can have a second beer and I'm still okay. 
get a third one and maybe it's starting to have effects. You know, and then if I went a fourth and a fifth and a sixth, by about my tenth beer, I think well and truly the alcohol's in control, don't you think? that I no longer have control of myself, the alcohol will have full control. Does that make sense? It works the same with God. See, a pub is just a cheap imitation of church. That when you come into into God's presence, when you're hanging out with him and you're saying, I want God, too often we're, we're half a glass. I've had a couple of sips, I'm all right now. We were never meant to come and have a couple of sips of Jesus. We were meant to fully consume him. That's the whole fat Jesus, skinny Jesus thing. You know, a little bit of skinny Jesus. It's a really weird song. <laughs> but that's what you, the idea behind that is, is you're just having a little bit. If you want God to totally change your life, you have to totally surrender. You know, you can't half drive a car. You know, you get in your car and go, well, I only want to do the steering wheel bit. I'm not going to do the foot pedals. What's going to happen? Not much. You might turn the wheels, but you're going nowhere. Or even worse, you know what? I'll do the foot pedals, but I won't do the steering wheel. You may go somewhere, but it's probably not going to have a good result. And that's what happens when we try and have control and give God little bits. It doesn't end up in a good place. You either end up going nowhere or you end up in the wrong place. You have to go in to full surrender. It says in Acts, when the day of Pentecost to fully come, they were all in one accord, in one place. In other words, they were all in unity together. They had put aside themselves. They'd stopped trying to make things happen. And they'd gone, we want God. That's what it is to be in one accord. Because if you go further on, they were so much in one accord that they started selling off their property and their things and coming and laying at the disciples' feet and going, this stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my job is. It doesn't matter how much money I've got. It doesn't matter how much property I've got. It doesn't matter what car I've got. It doesn't matter anything else. It just matters that I've got God in my life. That's what God wants. Total surrender. And it says, suddenly there came from heaven a mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as fire that sat upon each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Can you imagine sitting there, if they weren't surrendered and the Holy Spirit's over them, they would have gone, and stopped. See, God is not going to overwhelm you if you're going to fight him. He's powerful enough to do it, but he also gave you a will. He gave you a choice. And you have to choose to let go and step out of what is comfortable into the uncomfortable. And can I say to you, just standing up where you are and saying, yes, God, touch me, is not stepping out of the uncomfortable. It may be a big step for you, but it's not a very big step really. 
It's actually what goes on inside you. That you go, God, touch me. Even those bits where it hurts. Even though bits where in my past it's got pain. God, I'm prepared to lose full control so that you have full control. I'm prepared to dance and jump up and down. I'm prepared to spin around on the floor if I have to. I'll lay on the floor. I'll do whatever you want, God. I will talk to whoever you want. I will deal with all those things in my past if that's what it takes to have all of you. Because you see, when this is poured out, what happens with these guys is the Holy Spirit comes on them and they all start speaking in tongues. Now, this was not a normal phenomenon. This hadn't happened before. They hadn't experienced it. You imagine standing there and they, and they go, whoa, what's that? And they have a choice right there. Do I embrace this? Or do I let it go? And they embrace it and they kept pushing on and they're speaking in tongues and it starts to get louder and louder and they start to witness through their tongues to all the people around them. But what rises up is people started criticizing them. And calling him drunkards. Why do they call them drunkards? Because they spoke another language? No. I mean, do you walk into a shop, you hear someone speaking in a different language, you go, ooh, they're drunk? No. You know, I didn't walk through Italy and everyone's speaking in Italian. You go, ooh, everyone's drunk in Italy. Why do they think they were drunk? Because they acted like they were drunk. They were staggering around and laughing and yahooing in the middle of all that. They were not dignified. And the people in front of them are the people that they would normally seek to impress. It's like you rocking up and the biggest manager of your company Walking in and you being off your face drunk. And rolling around and laughing and talking gibberish. You know, just when you're being interviewed for that big promotion. Or walking into a job interview totally off your face. That's what it was like for them but they made a choice to say, I want God no matter what the cost. I don't care what I have to deal with. I don't care what I have to get out of my life. I don't care what it means. I want everything God has for me. Because it's not just a sensation. It's about God transforming you into who he made you to be. It's about make him making you into a powerhouse for him. Because you see, when the Holy Spirit touches you, you start to see needs in people's lives. You start to hear him speaking to you, and he starts to give you a revelation about people around you, and you'll start to speak into their life. 
You'll start rocking up to work and you will be off your face on Jesus. You'll be whacked in him. Oh, I can't do that. You want to do for a job? You know what? God doesn't care what you do for a job. He cares what you do at your job. Because it's your mission field. And you're supposed to rock up to your job so full of Holy Spirit that you transform the lives of the people there. But we're too busy trying to be popper, popper, proper. We're trying to be proper. We're trying to be with it. We're trying to be, oh, dignified. I think God's had enough of the church being dignified. The only dignified ones in Jesus' day were the Pharisees. I think the church is too full of Pharisees. It's time the church became undignified. Not for the sake of being undignified, but for the sake of surrender. That we got hungry for God. You see, you don't need me to lay hands on you for you to get whacked. You just need to surrender to God. And you can get whacked any time you like. You need to let go of yourself and say, I want to be a vessel for you. I want to be used by you, God. Because it's not about how educated you are. It's not about how brilliant you are. It's not about having the right job or whatever it is or knowing the Bible back to front. It's about knowing Jesus. And you know how you get to know Jesus? You just go, I surrender myself to you. Show me Jesus. And John 15 says that if you abide in him and his word abides in you, how does that work? How do you abide in him? You just step in and go, I want more of you, Jesus. I step into you. I honor you. You just say it. Take a risk. I'm telling you, not everybody will because people don't want to let go of their stuff. They're scared what God might do. They don't trust him. But God has your best interest at heart. He made you. He knows you better than anybody else. And he wants to make you to be all that he made you to be. He wants you to be a shining star. He wants you to be brilliant. You were made to glorify him. And by only half surrendering, you don't glorify him. You are made to not struggle through life, but to walk in his presence and power surrounding you. That stuff is going to come your way. Difficulties and challenges will come your way. And you ought to stand up in the middle of it and go, it's okay. Because I'm in Jesus and he's in me. And that's why these guys, the disciples on this day of Pentecost, that people could come out and throw accusations against them and have a go at them and they could stand up and go, it doesn't matter what you say because Jesus is Lord. And let me tell you about him and how awesome he is because Peter 
the I have to go fishing because I don't know what else to do. Peter, the I don't know Jesus. Who is he? No, no, no. I don't want to be crucified with him. I don't know him. Peter, the oh, what do we do? I don't know. Let's choose a new disciple because it seems like a good idea to do. Suddenly stands up full of the Holy Ghost and looks the very people he's been trying to impress in the eye and says, you killed Jesus, but it's okay because he came back to life and you need him in your life. This same guy who couldn't say to a servant girl, yeah, I'm with him, stands up to the rulers of the church and gets 3,000 people saved. That's what surrender does. But you have to make a choice. God is not going to make it for you. It's not about your job. It's not about your intelligence. It's not about where you live. It's about Jesus. Because you know what? He does not care about those things. He cares about you being totally surrendered to him and being his powerhouse. You know what they said about them when they put them on trial, Peter and John? They said they perceived they were uneducated men. In other words, they did not have the nous to handle what was going on around them. But it goes on to say, but they could tell they had been with Jesus. It's not your education, it's not your job, it's not your station in life, it's not how good you are that's going to make a difference in your life. Can people look at you and say, you've been with Jesus? Because the power of God was flowing through them because they surrendered every part of their life. And when you surrender every part of your life, you can walk around whacked all the time when it doesn't matter. Because you'll still be able to do your job. You'll do it better and more efficiently. But you'll also be able to speak into people's lives with the power of God. That you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You'll speak the words of life and people will come to know Jesus. That's why you want to get whacked. Because it changes you. It takes all that rubbish in your life and pulls it all out and gets rid of it once and for all. And fills you with so much of God that you transform the people around you. The disciples were really ordinary guys. And there are a couple of fishermen, guys that sat in a boat and threw a line over the side, dropped a couple of nets. There are a couple of, you know, accountants in there. They were just ordinary guys, but they'd been with Jesus. You may be an ordinary person, but have you been with Jesus? Is he not just first in your life, but your whole life? Is he your everything? Or are you too busy trying to impress everybody and do the right thing and look right? Have you totally surrendered? 
Because it's time we got whacked and it's time we lived whacked. You don't have to rock up to church to get whacked. You get whacked at home. That's just getting so full of Jesus that it just flows through you. You won't care what's going on around you. You'd lay on the floor and go, God's good. And someone will walk past you and the power of God will hit them. You know, it got to the point where Peter would walk down the street and his shadow would go over people and they would be totally healed. You know, tell stories of guys like Finney would get on a train and go through a town. He wouldn't even get off the train. The train would pass the town and the whole town would fall on their knees, sit crying out to God for salvation. Not a word was spoken. The guy was just sitting on a train. That's the power of God. That's what we need. But it takes total surrender. God is pouring out his spirit. But it's like if I had a jug of water here and I just poured it out, it's just going to end up on the floor. But if you are thirsty, you could get a cup and you could put it under that jug and you could get some of that water. He's pouring out his spirit. Are you empty enough to let him wash in you and wash through you? Are you open enough for him to wash the stuff out of your life so that there's just a vessel for him to use? You'll never be good enough. You just have to get under his spout where his glory comes out and get so full of him. He said, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. We just have to get in a position to receive and let go of our stuff. Now, who wants to get whacked? Who wants Jesus? If you do, you've got to pay the price. I'm going to do it by laying hands on you. I'm going to teach you how to do this by yourself. Because you don't need me to lay hands on you. I'm just a person like you. You can do this yourself. You want Jesus? Just close your eyes now and lift your hands up. Say, Just tell him you surrender. You talk to him and say, I surrender. If you feel like you've got to stand, you stand. You feel like you've got to lay on the floor, lay on the floor. You do whatever you need to do before God. And surrender yourself, saying, I want God. I want God. I want everything you've got. And he's going to bring stuff up in your mind, and you're going to have to let it go. You're going to have to just say, God, I give that to you. Take that. Touch that. Heal that. Stop holding on to your stuff. It's not worth it. Let go and let God be God.
ask God to fill you completely. Ask Him to fill you to overflowing. Say, wash over me. Wash over you. Wash through me. Fill me. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me. I'm yours. Fill me. Fill me. Be filled in Jesus' name. 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 Filled to overflowing in Jesus' name. Filled to overflowing in Jesus' name. Filled to overflowing in Jesus' name. Filled in Jesus' name. Filled in Jesus' name. Filled in the name of Jesus. Filled in Jesus' name. Filled in Jesus' name. Filled in Jesus' name. Filled in Jesus' name. Yeah, more. Yeah, more, Lord. More. More of you. More of you. More. Stay in God's presence. Just hang out with Him. There's no rush to go anywhere. Just stay with God until you're finished. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. So often we rush off and we just we miss out on what God wants to do. Stay with God until you're done. Just hang with Him until you're done.